Chapter 23 of The Life and Times of Kateri Tekakwitha, The Lily of the Mohawks, by Ellen Walworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Kateri Ill. Therese consults the black gown. Feast of the Purification. The Bed of Thorns. Kateri's health was fast failing, and those with whom she lived, perceiving this, watched her more closely and sought to check her in her fasts and penances they saw that on wednesdays and saturdays she ate nothing at these times she would spend the whole day in the woods gathering fuel they were careful after this to have the soup ready before she started out in the morning but even then she would occasionally find an excuse to slip away without her breakfast when it was the turn of one of the other women of the same lodge fire to go for wood kateri sometimes interfered saying that the woman in question had a baby to nurse and ought to stay in the cabin as for herself there was nothing to keep her she could just as well go as not before they noticed that she had not yet taken a mouthful she would be off to the woods and at work when she could no longer fast without attracting notice she still kept up the practice of mingling ashes with her food, or denying herself in some other way. About this time, a child of her adopted sister died. Askateri was assisting the other women to make a grave for her little nephew. One of them said to her, laughing, "'Where is yours, Kateri?' "'It is there,' she answered, pointing to a certain spot." The incident was soon forgotten, but Kateri was not mistaken, as was proved later. The place she indicated was near the tall cross by the river, where she was accustomed to pray, and where she had her first long talk with Therese Tega y Aguenta. Her only pleasure now was in prayer, or in spiritual conversations with her friend Therese, or with Anastasia, for both of them spoke often of God all other companionship had become distasteful to her her natural gift of ready and witty conversation as well as her helpful disposition won her many friends without effort she was beloved as well as reverenced by the whole population while careful to shun more and more all intercourse that did not help her heavenward in her humility it did not occur to her that she on her part could perhaps do something towards lifting others to the high plane of her own thoughts chauchetier relates the following incident of how she was once called on for advice much to her own surprise two young married people francois the seneca and his wife marguerite had watched kateri's way of life with much interest and admiration they knew she had made a vow of virginity and one day they called her into their cabin with the idea of learning from her how a good christian ought to live in this world in order that she might be less embarrassed and speak freely they sent at the same time for her companion therese when both were seated the door was closed as a token that what they were about to ask kateri was a great secret and that they were ready to keep it sacred francois the seneca called by the french la grosse bouche began the conversation he addressed himself both to kateri and to therese saying first that he knew what they had done and the state of life they had embraced this he said that they might speak out as for himself he wished to be a good christian and to give himself entirely to god his wife was of the same mind 
he spoke for both kateri was much surprised at this discourse she was silent for some time and then asked her companion to speak it would take too long to tell all that was said on both sides concerning the state of life that was most pleasing to god it is enough to say that they gave no advice to the young married couple other than that they should go to the black gown and propose their plan to him the woman was not more than twenty and the man scarcely older this good francois it seems wished to live with his wife as with his sister he did so for some years and would have continued to do so had he not been advised to the contrary his wish was to repair as far as possible the evil he had done before his baptism he was an excellent hunter and a good warrior he was afflicted later in life with a painful disease from which he suffered severely for fourteen years kateri was at all times his model he endeavoured to imitate her patience and resignation as well as her other virtues after death he wore about his neck a little chaplet which he called kateri's beads strung next to the cross on which the credo was to be said were two beads one for a pater and one for an ave then there were three other little beads on which he was accustomed to say the gloria patri three times to thank the blessed trinity for the graces bestowed upon kateri always cheerful and contented himself he consoled and encouraged his wife who although a great devotee was apt to complain of her poverty when his health no longer permitted him to go to the chase he mended kettles made pipes and did what work he could about the village he brought up his children strictly taught them the catechism with care and was always on hand to sing in the church he had a book or scroll of pictures in which all the chief events recorded in the old and new testaments were depicted copies of this ingenious form of indian bible are still to be seen at caughnawaga and elsewhere francois the seneca by these means won many converts to christianity he was accustomed however to give kateri the credit for his success he besought her intercession with god in all his undertakings and endeavoured to imitate her as far as possible in his life and in his death which occurred in sixteen ninety five as kateri had a great love for virginity a fact of which her whole life is a proof she did not fail to cultivate a deep and tender devotion to the virgin mother of christ whom she regarded in a special manner as her queen and mistress each day in reciting the litany she had occasion to call upon her as the queen of virgins to kateri this was one of the sweetest and dearest of her many beautiful titles to prove herself a devoted follower of this virgin of all virgins she would gladly have cut off her hair as the nuns do but the fear of appearing singular and eccentric deterred her though she thus tried as much as possible to hide from observation by accommodating herself to the ways and dress of those with whom she lived there grew to be a something about her a je ne sais quoi says Sochetier, an atmosphere of purity and sanctity that almost amounted to a visible halo even her directors sometimes wondered at the impression of personal sanctity which she made upon the people if we consider her lonely long and frequent prayers 
not only in the chapel but at the foot of the tall cross by the river bank there is nothing to be wondered at even the roughest and giddiest of the young people of Kahnawaga were awed to a respectful demeanor as she passed near them not only indians but occasionally the french from la prairie hovered about and watched for her as she came or went from her cabin or field in order to get a look at the young mohawk girl who as they said lived like a religious of this reverential admiration however kateri was quite unconscious unquestioned and undisturbed she followed her own course the details of which were known only to her bosom friend therese at last kateri was seized with a dangerous illness a violent fever came on and she lay at the point of death therese pale and trembling with alarm now thought of their weekly scourgings in the deserted cabin she feared to have her friend die without letting the black gown know what they had been doing and besought kateri to allow her to go to father sholenek and tell him all to this kateri willingly assented the black gown concealed his astonishment at what he heard from therese and blamed both her and her friend for their want of discretion kateri however recovered from this attack as soon as she was well she began at once and did not cease to importune her confessor to have pity on her and allow her at least some of her accustomed austerities in order as she said that her body might not have the victory over her whether undergoing self-inflicted pains or those that came directly from the hand of god her fortitude was extraordinary even for an indian though subject to many and frequent bodily infirmities she never for a moment lost her patience or uttered the least complaint on the contrary she seemed always desirous of increasing her sufferings rather than of alleviating them but only from this one motive that she might bear a closer resemblance to the crucified saviour when she was ill and her confessor had forbidden her to fast she would put herself in a painful position anastasia whom she called mother perceiving this reproached her saying that she would kill herself kateri only reminded her with a smile that our lord was much more ill at ease on the cross that she was not suffering at all in comparison with him during the last winter of her life kateri had frequent attacks of illness severe enough to keep her in the cabin no sooner was she on her feet however than she was again at work she did not spare herself or shorten her devotions when she was too weak to kneel she could still be seen at her prayers in the church supporting herself against a bench on one occasion when her health was restored for a time she accompanied therese to la prairie whither she was sent to carry certain articles from the village at the sioux on the way there or back kateri falling a little behind the others took off her moccasins and walked barefooted on the ice she was noticed and hastily put on her shoes again she soon overtook the others and would willingly have let them suppose she had been delayed by a little accident of some sort therese who knew her best thought otherwise on the feast of the purification of the blessed virgin most of the villagers were away at the hunting camp 
Kateri chose to walk through her field on that day with bare feet, as if in a sort of procession, while she recited her beads several times over, the snow being more than knee-deep. As Lent approached, she increased her austerities, till at last she reached the climax of all, thinking that she had not much longer to live, and must hasten to do penance while on earth, she looked about for some new instrument of pain. It was then the beginning of Lent, and she had been meditating on the passion of our Lord. She was gathering wood. Near at hand she saw a great thorny briar. In a transport of fervor she seized it. The thorns were sharp and cutting. Had she looked far and near, she could not have found anything better suited to her purpose. She eagerly and hurriedly conceals it in her bundle of faggots, then lifts the scraggy mass to her back, adjusts the burden-strap on her forehead, and starts at once for the lodge of Anastasia. Finding her own lodge-seat, she loosens the thorny briar from the faggots, covers it quickly with a large mat, and then proceeds to stow the wood in its proper place. The evening drags, but at length the inmates all come in for the night, and soon the evening meal is over. The prayers have been said, the lodge fires flicker and die out. The Indians fall asleep. All but Kateri. She has no thought of rest. She prays far into the night. Her bed is made, and a cruel bed it is. At last she looks towards it. She lifts the rug that covers it, clasps tightly in her hand a little crucifix she always wears about her neck, and with a fervent aspiration of love to God, throws herself upon the thorns. As she rolls from side to side, she grows faint, and her lips are parched with thirst. But still she has no desire to leave her thorny couch. She murmurs prayer after prayer, and waits for the daylight to come before rising from her bed to hide the brambles, now flecked with blood. Kateri is as busy as usual the next day, and her blithe smile comes and goes as freely as ever. Still, when night settles down on the village, she does not sleep, but tosses again on her bed of thorns. On the following day, Therese observes that Kateri is tired and weak. She draws her breath quickly as they walk over the rough ground together, and her head droops low at her prayers. Her friend tries to coax her to take more rest, to leave this or that task for another day, but all in vain, to Kateri every moment is precious now, and not one daily duty is left undone when she retires for the third time to her bed of thorns. When day dawns, she is up as usual, and Therese comes early to see her. Gladly would she escape the searching eye of her friend but it is of no use. Kateri is ghastly pale, and Therese, suspecting the truth, will not be put off. She espies the thorns, and Kateri confesses all. A pang went to the heart of Therese when she thought of Kateri's innocence and of her own sins. How could she have slept while this pure-hearted one, whom she loved so well, was rolling upon thorns. The next thought of the impulsive, warm-hearted Therese was one of concern for the life of her friend. 
she spoke quickly and vehemently to kateri declaring that she would certainly offend god if she inflicted such sufferings on herself without the permission of her confessor this aroused the scruples of tekakwitha catherine who trembled at the very appearance of sin says sholenek came immediately to find me to confess her fault and ask pardon of god i blamed her indiscretion and directed her to throw the thorns into the fire this she did at once when it was simply a question of obedience to one who held rightful authority over her kateri did not hesitate her confessor testifies that she never showed the least attachment to her own will but was always submissive to his direction she found herself very ill he continues towards the time that the men are accustomed to go out to the hunting grounds in the forest and when the females are occupied from morning until evening in the fields those who are ill are therefore obliged to remain alone through the whole day in their cabins a plate of indian corn and a little water having in the morning been placed near the mat it was thus that kateri tekakwitha passed through her last illness during the lent of sixteen eighty she lay helpless in the lodge of anastasia while the corn was being planted in the fields and the birds were flying northward across the mohawk river these little friends of hers brought back to her many a thought of her native valley as they stopped to dip their bills in the st lawrence and to sing a while to kateri in her pain the children too came in to see her now and then the black gown whose task it was to teach them gathered them close to her mat one day she was too ill to move but when he unrolled the pictures of the old and new testaments which he had with him and began to explain them to the eager bright-eyed little ones a glow of interest came into the weary eyes that were dull with suffering a moment before forgetting all else but her insatiable desire for true knowledge kateri with great effort raised herself on her elbow that she might see and understand better what was going on a question now and then from her drew out a fuller explanation from the black gown the children themselves with quick sympathy caught from her low earnest tones a keener relish for the truth and listened with rapt attention to the lesson drawn from the sacred story at the stroke of the angelus the instruction was over and also the children's visit how quickly the time had passed kateri thanked the black gown and begged him to come again with his class to the lodge that he might teach both her and them farewell kateri the children cry as they hasten out to their sports quickly they forget her and she too has forgotten them she has clasped her crucifix in her hands and is still buried in prayer when the women begin to come in from the field End of chapter 23